welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Lord, we just thank you that you are all that we need, that you are all sufficient. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit here for these next few minutes that we have together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Hey, how great with the worship team today. You guys are doubly, doubly blessed with incredible pastors, which you have, and a great worship team as well. Why don't you give the, these guys a huge round of applause? Hey, like I was introduced earlier, my name is, is Don Essen. I am the uh, kind of regional director for a great organization called Compassion. I live in Glasgow with uh, my wife, Margaret, and my daughter. She is uh, one. Uh, that's not a name, that's her age. Her name is Grace. Uh, she is amazing. Being a dad has changed my life. I had lots of hair this time last year. I, I, I kid, of course, I kid. Hey, why don't we look at the screens just for a, a little moment. This is kind of a bit of an update for you guys from Compassion on how our partnerships look, partnership looks. If you guys flick to the next slide, I'll go through this quite quickly. I'm not really a slide sort of guy. You guys have 30 kids sponsored on the next slide across six different countries. The majority of uh, we sponsor right now is in Haiti, 22 in Haiti, four in Kenya, one in Uganda, one in Brazil, one in Honduras, and one in uh, Ghana, the next slide will show, boom, great, I love how it's here as well, uh, you think that I've got this all in my mind, I, I probably tricked you a little bit there, but 91 letters have been sent to you from the 30 sponsor kids, but only 16 of your sponsor kids have received 37 letters, so maybe a bit of a challenge, for those of you who haven't written yet, get on our website, you can do that, take a selfie on your phone, send that off as well, the next slide shows that there are 18 girls and 12 boys, next slide shows slows, shows that more than 7,245 hours have been spent by your Compassion Kids at the Compassion Project, 1,811 meals have been provided, at least 41 medical checkups and 35 Bibles have been given out. That's pretty cool that your 30 kids have given out 35 Bibles. Think about it. They're giving their Bibles away. They've been given a Bible for free and they're giving it to people to say, hey, you've you got to read this. Next slide. So it's meant that 12,529 25 pounds, rather, has been given from your church into the life of people that you have never, ever, ever met. How cool is that? Why don't you give yourselves a huge, huge round of applause. On the, uh, on the next slide, you'll see a, all the pictures of the kids. I don't know if you can see your kid up there, but that's them there. That's all the smiling little faces saying thank you. Awesome. Can I share with you guys today from the book of Proverbs? Is that okay? Someone said this to me that Proverbs, when you break up what Proverbs mean, it's actually proverbs. So it's like a positive doing thing. So if you follow this, then actually it's a great plan for your life. So Proverbs chapter 31, I want to read just a few verses, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 from the New International Version. It says this here. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I feel like that last line needs, like, you know, the movies? This summer. We need, like, one of those sort of defend the rights of the poor and the needy coming June 2019. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. For these next few minutes, give me the wisdom, give me the, the courage, yet give me the humility and the patience to share what I believe you've laid in my heart for these wonderful people. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, when I, when I read that, that, that phrase, defend the rights of the poor and the needy, I don't know about you, but I love superhero movies. 
It's kind of my thing. Things like Star Wars, Star Trek, Avengers, The Incredibles. Don't judge me. I love things like that. And when I think of like Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. When I think of that, I think of like the Avengers. I'm thinking Iron Man. I'm thinking Black Panther. He is awesome. Ant-Man as well. He's a bit lame, but okay, we'll throw him in there. We've got to give everyone a chance. I love all of these guys. I, I think of like the Justice League. I don't know if you saw that movie last year. It wasn't that good, but I want to see it anyway. Uh, we, we found a special screening you can take babies to. So our two-month-old daughter, she joined us for the Justice League. And the Greatest Showman, actually. Uh, this, I was quite teary-eyed at the Greatest Showman. If you've never seen it, uh, just take, take your Kleenex man-sized tissues. Although apparently they're not allowed to call them man-sized tissues anymore. That's even a thing. But I kind of think of things like that. Like like the defenders, like these heroes. For many of us, our heroes would wear shorts and tee on a Saturday and run about a, a, a field with a, a piece of leather with 22 other blokes and kick it up and down. But for many of us, we have these heroes who are like larger than life. These heroes who have this, this kind of personality, they have uh, this strength, they, they perform extraordinary feats. That's what many of us would see a hero to be. But I wonder if, if for us, maybe our heroes in reality, on a screen, it's like your Superman, it's Tony Stark, it's Robert Downey Jr. That's your heroes on screen, but in real life, your heroes look so different. For me, my mom is a hero of mine. I was thinking about this this week. Who are my real life heroes? My mom is one. For many years, my, my dad is, has battled with, with many different illnesses, and, and as, as children, like Robert shared earlier, my mom protected us from that, and it wasn't until I was grown up and married and living my own life and, and pursuing my own career and dreams and thoughts that I realized how ill my dad really was, and for years, mom hid us from that, yet she always had this zealous joy for the Lord, this passion for Jesus and for his church, so for me, my mom is a hero. She doesn't wear a cape. She doesn't have rocket boosters on her feet. She doesn't have billion-dollar movies. She doesn't have her own secret uh, African country that is really, really rich. And she has all these different gadgets and toys. She doesn't have a butler that fixes her, her, her tank. She's just my mom. You know, one of my other heroes is my wife. She is like the most calm, meek, kind person I've ever known I don't know if you've ever done uh, Myers-Briggs personality types. Her personality type is, a, a, is described as a defender. She's a defender. I'm a commander. There's very few of us. We're bossy and dominant. It's a bit true. <laughs> but she's a defender. She's like, she's feeling everybody. She's, she's out here. She's like, yep, you're not doing too good. Yep, you're bossy and dominant. Go tell them, fix it for them. She feels such compassion. She feels such empathy for people. She said, she's, you know, shoe on the other foot. Like when I'm driving something, so I'm like, oh, why are they doing that? They're like, because there's no other way at the car park. Can you not see? And I'm like, no, I can't. They're just in my way. <laughs> my wife is one of, one of my heroes. There are many close friends that I have as heroes. I, I'm just getting to know my, my new colleague, Adrian. This is Adrian up the back. Go say hello, Adrian. But Adrian is slowly actually becoming a hero of mine. Because Adrian, is, uh, in, in his own phrase, phraseology, is kind of in a stage in life where he doesn't need to work for compassion. But actually, he, he's given up an easy life for a life that's actually surrendered for those who have no other voice. So for me, Adrian is speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute, speaking up and judging fairly, defending the rights of the person and the, the needy. These are some ordinary, everyday 
heroes, and they don't have a cape. They don't have rocket boosters. They don't have the butler that fixes the tanks. They don't shrink. They don't enlarge. They can't fly. They're not invisible, although sometimes they maybe want to be. <laughs> They're not billionaires, although I'd love it if they were. <laughs> They're just ordinary people. I remember uh, in, in school, I don't know if your school was like, like mine, maybe not, but you know when you go from primary school to secondary, I don't know if you remember as, as, as a, a kid, maybe if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, watching movies and TV shows, you kind of see high school as like the American high school. Does that make sense? You think there's going to be like lockers and skateboards and like everyone's going to eat hot dogs every day, but it's really lame. It's still just like dinner food food. But I remember in school being in a room, I don't know, maybe a bit like this. And uh, I remember a friend I had in primary school. We weren't really friends in secondary. Like I'm over in the corner with my buddies and, and some food starts flying about. And I'm like, yeah, it's an American food fight. Yeah, this is awesome. Chad Hogan, woo-woo. I'm like, this is great. And I'm, I'm, I'm sat over here, the Kevin Bridges fans got that. I'm sat over here and I'm like, this is, uh, this is kind of funny. But actually, it wasn't that fun for, for Doug. It, it started taking a bit of a, a, a bad turn. He started getting some food. I just thrown at him, this is like over a few weeks. He started getting food pushed in his face. I was like, ah, that's not good. And I'm like stood there watching. I'm like, I could step in, I could say something. Now I was the good Sunday school kid. I knew my Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I knew all that stuff. I knew the fruit of the Spirit was love and joy and peace and patience. I knew all that stuff. But see, when it came to it, when someone needed to put a, a cape on, I stood there just like, ah, ah, you'll be okay. But things for Doug went from bad to worse. He wasn't just getting food thrown at him or, or, or flung at him. He was being force-fed. He was being pushed into the, the male urinals and the, the, the toilets. School toilets are like the most disgusting place on planet, on the planet. And he would walk around soaking wet. Things got so bad that by the end of second year, Doug had to leave the school. And for me, this, this little good Christian kid, I felt like I was let off the hook. I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I, I couldn't say anything, so now he's not here. I'm not going to feel guilty about it anymore. But the bus we took home every single day, it, it drove by such a way that I still saw Doug walking home. And every day it was like, you should have done something. You should have said something. You should have done something. You should have said something. I think we kind of assume sometimes that heroes are born. You know, like Superman, he came to Earth and all of a sudden he's like, I'm so handsome, I can fly. Or like Tony Stark, he's like, I've got all this money, I'll just build a suit. Or, you know, like David Beckham, he, he was just able to hit a ball in such a way that it, it curved all the time. But we don't hear the stories that go behind us. We don't know what happens. We don't know that, that Bex, every single week, was the first one at training and the last one there every day. The richest footballer in the world. We can never assume that, that these talents and these attributes and these abilities, we assume that it, it, it's given and that it's not something that we develop over time. I love, what, I love, the, I love the, the epistles that Paul, Paul writes. He said, I have learned what it is to be content. I have learned. I have not been given. I have not inherited. Someone has not downloaded it. It wasn't on a USB that I purchased from WH Smith. I have learned the art of joy. I have learned. I love what he says. He says, bear with one another. Colossians 3, bear with one another. In other words, just be patient with one another. You maybe not get Facebook friends like mine, but my Facebook friends kind of get my nerves a little bit. I'm like, I don't need to know what you're having for breakfast every single day. Oh, avocados on toast again. Hey, thumbs up. <laughs> but we kind of assume, we kind of assume that, that the, these are things that, that, that people develop. 
for us, we've maybe fictionalized what heroes are. We've maybe glamorized what it is to be a hero. But I wonder, actually, if there are heroes in this room here today. I wonder if we are heroes that people are looking for. I've been so honored that the pastors have asked me to share on this idea of a culture of compassion. And here is what a culture is. A culture is the behavior and belief characteristics or the way of life. In other words, it has action attached to it. If you have a culture of something, there is action attached to it. If you have a culture of generosity, you got to act. Oh, yeah, you, we're a really generous church, but not me. You know, we're, we're a really kind church, but, you know, I've not been kind since 1992, and I'm quite happy with it being that way. You know, w- when it comes to culture, there's something attached to it, and, and compassion, and the Latin, is, the word is splagnizomai, which, which actually means to suffer with. So in other words, what we see is this, is that actually a culture of compassion is that we act and we suffer with. We act and we suffer alongside people. You know, there's a story of, of, of a man who's in a hole, and he's looking up, and he's like, help, help, can someone come and help me? And a rich man goes by, and he said, oh, hey, I'll write you a check, and he hands him a check, and he said, that's great, but I'm still in a hole. And then a holy man comes by, and he said, oh, bless you, my son. And he said, well, that's great. I'm blessed, and I'm rich, but I'm still in a hole. But then his friend comes by, and his friend jumps in the hole with him, and he said, what are you doing? Why are you coming in the hole with me? He said, because I've been in a hole before, and I know the way out. The reality is this, is that many of us would say, oh, well, we're the friends. Can I be honest? That story of me with Doug, I was the fifth person in that story. I was the person watching it so I could then tell the story. I just watched and observed, and I didn't actually do anything about it. And I wonder if for us, if within a culture of compassion, we, we, we have sight, but we don't really see, and we have a voice, but we don't really speak. I want to share with you just very briefly from Matthew chapter 12. You know, and Isaiah says this, that when the, the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against them. I wonder if sometimes when the enemy comes in like a flood, we just start to drown, and we're like, I'm just keeping my head above water, but we don't actually use what God has given us. Matthew chapter 11, uh, Matthew 12, rather, verse 22 says this here, then a man was brought before Jesus who had a demon spirit that made him both blind and unable to speak. This was a blind and a mute man. Proverbs chapter 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. I wonder if we need to learn to see and to speak up, because when the enemy comes in, we need to realize that he will rob us of both our sight, of our vision, and make us mute so we will not have a voice. And the reality is this, that we know the Bible, don't we, that God's word says that actually the faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, and in order for us to hear it, someone has got to speak it. And in the age of enlightenment, in the age of offense, we are scared to speak up because there is more than one truth. That possibly Jesus isn't the only way, he's just a way, but actually Christians realize that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the light, and there is no other way to heaven, not your riches, not your fame, not your Instagram followers, not the likes you have on your Facebook page, but there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. He's made a way to the Father. But when the enemy comes in, like a flood, and raises that standard, there was a man who was blind and unable to speak. I wonder, church, if we got to learn, if I got to learn, if I got to get better at this, if we could get better at just speaking up and saying that is wrong, that is not right, those people need help. It is wrong the fact that there are so many people that live in the city of Dundee who would be economically deprived the government statistics would say they're deprived, yet these people in this city could fill Tanadice and Dens Park. 
that exists in your city, that exists here. The statistics in my city are very similar. It's all scalable. There are 400 million kids living in abject poverty. I think the statistics would be that 16,000 children will die today because of preventable causes. And many of us, we've just got to speak up, we've got to act up, we've got to do something. Because in a culture of compassion, we lean towards acting. It's got action attached to it. We act and we suffer with. I got to be honest, when we hear the word, you know, compassion is something you feel. No, compassion is something you do. Empathy is what you feel. Sympathy is what you feel. But compassion is what you do. And this is like the the main point of my my story. It's kind of the, the, the story about the blind man. You know, you've heard this one, the blind man, the mute, and the ordinary hero. You could be the blind man. You could see it, but not really see it. You could be the mute. You have a voice, but you don't speak. Or I wonder if you could just be an ordinary hero. You don't have a cape. You don't have a signal that goes out in the sky. You don't shoot webs from your hands. That would be pretty cool. You don't have a cape that kills over like Batman. You don't have a tank. That would be really great if I had a tank. You don't have rocket boosters. But you just make a commitment to doing something for someone else. Someone that you've never met. You'll never know. My wife and I sponsor three kids in Ethiopia. I've met one of them. She is outrageously amazing. She sent me pictures. She's now graduated through the program, and she, she found me on social media years later, and, and, and she sent me these pictures of where she lives and her home and how her economic status has been raised, and she's studying, uh, I think, civil engineering, which makes her super smart. She's telling me she wants to be an evangelist. When I met her, we laid hands on her. We prayed for her. And I'm thinking, this is like the most ordinary, simple thing, but this young girl was incredible. You know, and, and Proverbs 31, it says this here in, in verse 1, it, it says the sayings, you guys have heard of Proverbs 31, whenever there's like a women's conference, Proverbs 31, it's the Proverbs 31 women, are you ready? The Proverbs 31 women, but this is like the start of it, the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Most theologians, Matthew Henry and a bunch of other guys, they would agree that actually that this was Solomon. King, King Lemuel was actually Solomon, they think, and actually his mother was Bathsheba. You know Bathsheba, David Bathsheba, you know the whole affair, that whole sort of thing. They think this was an inspired tale from Bathsheba. She said this here, listen my son, the son of my womb, listen my son and answer to my prayers. Don't spend your strength on women or, or all those who run about with, with, with women or drink or wine, but actually speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. In other words, take those who have no one and have no power and have no influence and take all your your kingly wealth, your kingly influence, the hunter, gatherer, provider, leader, the person that is all powerful in this kingdom, take it and lend it to those who have nothing. It's this inspired tale. And I think the rest of Proverbs 31 is also like, this is like the ideal woman. Go find her. Forget about all these other crazy women. Find the ideal woman. But speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. In other words, carry a culture of compassion. And if it's a story of the blind man and of the mute and of the everyday hero, don't be blind. Don't be mute, but be the everyday hero. Speak up. You may be sat here today and you may be like, oh, you know, like, I'm not anyone to do anything. You know what? 
brother, sister, friend, you aren't anyone to do anything, but can I tell you of a friend of mine, and his name is Jesus, and he has called you, he has chosen you, he has appointed you, and you say, well, you don't, Don, you don't know the, the story of my life, I don't know the story of your life, but can I tell you whose authorship is over your life? He is the author, he is the perfecter, he is the finisher of your faith, of your life, and the story that you might find yourself in, the chapter of your life right now might be really difficult, but I wonder if, if by lending your, your, yourself, by lending your credibility, your finance, your resource to someone who, who you've never met, you've never seen, I wonder if that would be a culture of compassion in the city of Dundee. I wonder if that would be a culture of compassion in your workplace. I love the phrase Pastor Gordon used, your frenemy. I've got lots of frenemies. I'm friends with them, but kind of part of me doesn't really trust them or whatever. But actually, I think sometimes when you're kind to people, it breaks something within you. Probably about six months ago, there was, again, you guys are probably much closer to Jesus than me, but probably about six months ago, there was two friends of mine just ripping my and just everything they put on social media. Every time I saw them, I thought, these people are getting on my nerves. And then one morning during devotions, I'm just reading my Bible, and I've got my cup of tea, and just tr tr pretend I'm holy. <laughs> I, I just felt God send them both a text message to encourage them. I was like, I'm not saying to no one nothing. Like, can I honestly tell you, as soon as I'd done it, as soon as, as soon as I hit send, something just melted on the inside. I was like, what? I should have done that six months ago. These guys have been in my head, in my mind, in my thoughts. Like, even during, like, I've seen them at different things. I'm like, ah, why on earth was I carrying that? But I wonder for you if you've been blind to the thing that's right in front of you the whole time. Or actually God's been speaking to you for months on something you've got to speak up about that there's injustice in your city. That, and I think many of us get frustrated at the state of politics and we're like, I can't believe politicians did this and I can't believe the politicians did this, but the reality is they're doing the best by the standard that they have. And the standard isn't grace. The standard isn't Jesus. The standard is just the best by their own knowledge and thought of the age. But I wonder, I wonder if they're blind to something that we can see so clearly, yet we could just speak up and say, hey, have you considered this? We could just act up and do something about it. We could be the everyday superhero that someone else is looking for. You know that the statistics show that uh, uh, they reckon that seven out of every eight volunteers in the local church are female. They're not males. I'm like, where are the dudes? Where are the blokes? Where are the men? Where are the mighty warriors like, like King Solomon that are willing to, to step up and speak up and lend their credibility and their power and their wisdom and then their authority? In Africa, there's this phrase that the, the, the nation of Africa is built on the backs of women. And when Adrian and I were just there recently, I'm like, where are the fathers? Where are the men? Where are the defenders, the conquerors, the hunters, the gatherers, the encouragers, the leaders? Where are they? I'm like, the, I, can see, I can see males, but I can't see the men. Where are they? When, when, when I was in churches recently, uh, every week for the past six weeks, I've looked this, the the proportion of males versus female that, that bring a child into their life. I reckon that for every seven women that sponsor, one male does. And I'm like, where are the men? Where are the defenders? Where are the fierce warrior-like men who say, I can make a difference. I can step in the fold. I can speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute. I can speak up and I will judge fairly. And I will defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And when the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to blind me and mute me, I will say, no more, get behind me. I'm going to step up, stand up, and act out for those who need someone to do it. 
The average compassion sponsor, we did some work in this, is a 55-year-old, Citroen Picasso driving, Kindle reading, Times newspaper subscribing, OK Magazine friend of, tea drinking, afternoon tea enjoying lady. I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, I'm a 35-year-old, action hero, die-hard, meat-eating, carnivore, gym-going, dad, husband, pal, and actually, we've got three sponsor kids, and I'm the one that's pushing every year to my wife. I'm like, can we do one more? Can we do one more? Can we do more? Can we do it? Like, okay, we're, we can't do another sponsorship, but could we do this? Can we do that? Why? Because I believe that God's laid it in my heart to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of the destitute, speak up and judge freely and defend the rights of the poor and the needy, because in a culture of compassion, we've got to act and we've got to suffer with. Ah, you know, that's... that's let my wife deal with that. Like, I'm not getting involved. You have got no idea the power of a man coming alongside a young child. And I, I, I am so for equality, but I love the differences between men and women. I think it's amazing. I just think my wife is so much better at so many more things. Actually, 99% of things she's better at than me. 99.99, if I'm being really honest. But I wonder if you could be the hero for Elvis. He's three. He's actually, really, he's actually really quite a little model. He's got like a little uh, denim waistcoat on. I wonder if you could be a hero for Elvis or for Queen. Or for, I saw two or three Derricks. I saw an Eric over there as well. And Esther. He's only three. Queen's only three as well. And they need someone that's going to come alongside them. Like the everyday heroes that we mentioned on the screen. Those 30 individuals, those 30 families that say, we can do something. Because we are poor and needy, absolutely everywhere. And many of us have developed almost compassion fatigue. We're like, oh, I see this stuff on TV all the time. Kids with swollen bellies and flies around them and stuff. I'm like, I, I don't need that in my life anymore. Like, you know, we've, we, what we've done is we've depersonalized it. We've become jaded. We, we've, we've kind of become skeptical. We've, we've, we've treated it with contempt. But the poor are still the poor and the needy are still the needy. And we've got to do something about it. And if I think of this ideal scenario of a king who has power and authority, and it's to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, then I'm like, we got to do something about it. We could be the real-life heroes for someone in our community today. You could be the real-life hero for your kids' leader that just needs someone to encourage them. You could be the real-life hero for someone in this room who needs a job and you have a vacancy and you can fill that role in this church today. You could be the real-life hero for the loneliness that is a plague in our nation. Six million people in the UK are lonely. Four million people in the UK say the TV is their best friend. Four million people. That's almost the entire nation of Scotland. The TV's, uh, the TV's my best friend. I'm like, hello, have you seen the trash that's on TV? The television's your best friend. You can invite someone in here for dinner. You can invite me out for dinner today. I'd love to come. But you could do something. And you don't need rocket boosters. You don't need a cape. You don't need a cow. You don't need web blasters. You don't need to expand and shrink. You don't need to be a billionaire. But just do something. I love how Robert said it was an older couple that sponsored him. It wasn't a billionaire. We've got to stand up and speak out. I love what Mark Twain says. He says, compassion requires we stand up for what we believe in no matter the odds. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And if we do not speak up, then no one's going to know what we believe. And perhaps they would never come to faith. 
You know, I love what it says in the Bible in Genesis to say that, that God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was. And it also says that we were made in God's image. So when we speak out, I wonder if there's creative power in our words. Yet many of us were scared to speak. I know I've been scared to speak. I was paralyzed with fear as a young lad looking at Doug across the room. And I'm like standing there. I'm like, I know I should do something. I know I should speak. I should say something. But I'm like, I can't do it. I could have taught him the actions to Father Abraham as many sons. <laughs> but I couldn't have spoke up for him. When I was, uh, when I was 21, maybe 20, I was at like this youth thing. You know when you're like 18, 19, 20, you're still in church. You hang out with the youth things. You really shouldn't. But like... It's like this awkward vibe because like there's not really a student group in your church. Anyway, it's the whole thing. <laughs> I remember being at this uh, this event, and uh, my wife was she's my girlfriend at the time. My wife was there, and, and and I see my friend Thomas comes in, and he comes in with this dude, and he's got a big beard, and he's got like lots of hair. I'm a bit jealous of it now, I think, and reflect. But he comes in, and I'm looking at, it, I kind of squint. I've got really good eyesight, but I squinted anyway because it's like the thing you do. I'm like, it's Doug. I hadn't seen him in years. And I walked over. I said, Hey, mate, it's it's, it's Doug. So my name's Donald. I says, hey, it's Donald, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I says, oh, I just finished uni, blah, blah, blah. This is nothing, and da, 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 and, and life's good. And as everybody left the room, and this is in a church at this point, I, I said, Doug, mate, I'm really sorry. And he's like, what for? I said, you know what happened all those years ago in school? You had to leave, da, da, da. And he's like, ah, he's like, he's kind of a rocker dude. So he's just like, he called me bruh. It wasn't bro, it was bruh. He went bruh. It's like, basically, mate, we're cool. Like, that wasn't you. But I wonder how many times in life we, we cannot, don't get that second chance to go back and make amends for something we should have spoke up about. Like, I was so fortunate. Our words have power when they meet action. I wonder today if you could do something. I'd encourage you to go check out the Compassion Experience. That would be great for those of you who already sponsor a child. But I wonder for those of you in here today that have got to do something. I wonder if it's the Samaritan's Puffs Operation Christmas Child. That's like the easiest thing in the world. Poundland, 10 quid, boom, you're done. You've got this awesome package that's going off to a kid in, in somewhere like Romania and the, the Middle East and uh, Eastern Europe that just needs some help this Christmas. Sponsoring a child is like so easy, 25 quid a month. Like even for a small church that we were leading just until recently, we said to those guys, like we want every working age adult to sponsor a child. 25 quid a month, it's like a latte and a half a week. It's not difficult, it's not. I don't think it's hard. Like, I know people who are, like my own family who have been on benefits that we sponsor a child. Why? Because God has been so good and faithful to us. It's the least we can do for someone else. I wonder today if you're the blind man. I wonder if you're the mute. Or I wonder if you could be the everyday ordinary hero. I wonder. This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 